Our gospel lesson for today, the third Sunday of Easter, is commonly known as the road to Emmaus. It's a rather lengthy passage, so uh, it's found in Luke 24, it's verses 13 through 35. So at this point, this is one of those opportunities where you might wanna keep me on in the background, go fill up your coffee, get yourself a drink of water. You you could even fast forward if you wanted to, you know, not that I'm condoning that, but if you wanted to and move through things a little bit faster due to a, a, a pretty lengthy one, I guess I'll never know. So that's gonna be up to you. Luke 24, verses 13 through 35. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. He said to them, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women from our group astonished us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near to the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening, and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was walking with us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, people of God, may the grace and peace of our risen Lord and Savior strengthen you and keep you in his grace. Amen. I love this passage. It's one that we encounter often, and it involves a little bit of time travel, though, which is perhaps a strange thing to think about, but it really does seem to be. Now, we've already said that today is the third Sunday of Easter. Resurrection Sunday was two weeks ago, and it's perhaps in the rearview mirror as we think about things. And even though we're still in the season, the resurrection seems like, well, it's already happened, and that was back here a little ways. 
But this particular story, the road to Emmaus, actually happens that same day. So it's almost like we have to put on our shoes backwards and walk backwards until we find ourselves two weeks ago, which of course is impossible, but oh well, that's what we're thinking about right now. Think about what has happened. All of these people who have followed Jesus, this entire group that we don't know exactly how many there are, but it's somewhere between 100 to maybe 130 or 40 people. This small group of people who have traveled with him, have followed along, they consider themselves disciples, followers of Jesus. And now I'm not just talking about the 12 disciples, but this is that larger group. They have followed along. They are the ones who have really stuck with him throughout the course of his ministry even going so far as to being with him as he came into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, even a whole nother week earlier than what we're thinking about. The triumphal entry in that moment, they were part of the crowd that we hear about in Luke's gospel that's, that's crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna to the highest. Even as the rest of the faceless crowd, all the people from the city are saying, hey, hush, keep it down, keep it down to the Romans, they're gonna come and get us. These two guys that we hear about were part of that group. They were present in the city throughout the course of the week leading up to the festival of Passover as all these different things are happening, getting closer and closer and closer to the betrayal and the arrest and the torture and the eventual crucifixion and death of Jesus. They have been present for all of these things. They have been witnesses to these things. And it seems, based on what we hear from these two disciples, these Cleopas and this other unnamed individual, it seems that everyone in the city knows what's going on, the events that have centered around Jesus. I can only imagine that people were paying attention. Now, the death has happened. Saturday has happened, the Jewish Sabbath, when they all just kind of stay put and they're quiet and, and, and they're mourning the death of, of their friend and rabbi and they don't know what to do. And then the morning of the resurrection, Easter morning, this, the day that we know of so much joy and proclamation and wonderful, wonderful uh, things that we, we have to rejoice. All these things are happening and the women go to the tomb and they encounter the risen Jesus and they run off and they find the disciples and they tell them he is alive. We have seen angels. They have told us he is alive. He's not dead. He's alive. And none of them know what to think. None of them know what to make of this story of what's gone on. And this is where things pick up for Cleopas and his companion. They're on their way home. They're going to Emmaus, about seven miles away from Jerusalem, and they're walking. The festival is over. Passover is over. Now the Sabbath is done. They're free to travel again. And now that it's morning, we hear that they go. And they're among a bunch of other people on the road. And as they're traveling along, they're talking about things. What has happened? We had thought that this was going to be wonderful. We thought this was all going to happen, but he died. And what do they make of that? And as they're walking along, not knowing what to make of all this situation, this random stranger comes up to him and he asks them, what are you talking about? And we hear that they're sad. What are these things that you're talking about? And, and Cleopas can't quite believe it. How could you be around Jerusalem and not know what's happened? And so they tell him, we're, we're wondering about this man, Jesus, who was a prophet, who was, he was the Messiah, and we had hoped he was the one to redeem Israel. Every single time I encounter this passage, that statement jumps at me. We had hoped. Now, in their case, we had hoped that he would redeem Israel. 
And I believe that this statement right here, this, this expression, and you can almost hear the pain in it just to read the words, it seems to reveal their expectations for what they think the Messiah is supposed to do, what their, their culture, what their tradition, what their, their thoughts and their expectations and their own experience, what they think is supposed to happen. And, and they say we had hoped he would redeem Israel. And maybe even that is up in the air for what that means. But then he died. And if the leader of a movement dies, it's over. There's no coming back from that. Regardless of what the women have said, regardless of this story and this vision that they have shared, we, we don't know what to think. We don't know what to do. It seems like he's dead and people just don't come back from the dead. It doesn't happen. It's over. Our hopes, our expectations, our anticipations, what we expect to happen, what we thought was going to happen is no longer the case. Maybe I'm starting to sound like a broken record, but I feel as if the, the various scripture passages that we've had in recent weeks have all pointed us in this direction. And maybe that's just because of our present circumstances. Our hopes, our expectations, our thoughts for what should be going on here in late April, in springtime, as we move from the winter months into the spring and then on towards the summer, all these thoughts and expectations for what should be going on, and they're not happening. And that's hard. That is a hard pill to swallow. Clearly, you are looking at me right now through a computer screen or perhaps a, a, a phone or a, an iPad or something. We're coming to each other through the digital realm. And while that is a blessing and it's wonderful and we can have community in this way, perhaps you're thinking to yourself, I would rather be in person. I would rather be gathered in the sanctuary with my fellow members and people that I've known for so long in this community of Christ that comes together to worship the Lord. And we can't do that. Maybe you're stuck utterly at home because you are an at-risk person and you can't even begin to, to consider the possibility of exposing yourself to anything. So you're just staying home. And if you are, that's good. You're following the directions of what you should do. But that's hard. I know that there are people who have lost work. There are people who have lost livelihood and they're facing unknown circumstances. There are, there are folks that are, are missing out on events that perhaps to them seem like once in a lifetime. I feel so strongly for our, our high school seniors or our college seniors who are missing out on things like graduation. They're missing out on things like prom. They're missing out on the, those wonderful last few weeks. In fact, earlier this week, I had a conversation with one of our high schoolers, a high school senior who's in that boat, and she shared that, that, that concern, that, that sadness because her hope, her expectation for what her senior year was supposed to look like is now off the table. We had hoped. Those three words reveal so many truths about us, so many concerns, so many expectations, and they are things that now life has thrown one heck of a curveball at. And I find myself wondering, is there good news? Is there anything to be found in this time, either from our situation or from this scripture? And there is. There is good news for us. Now, 
we've already read the story and perhaps you're familiar with it you know it starts off in this way that they express this to, to Jesus who they don't recognize we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel and then he begins to teach them from the scriptures probably some of the very same things that he had already taught them during his time of ministry but he's telling them again he's opening their minds to the scriptures and finally when they get to Emmaus when they go in he comes in with them because they invite them he, invite, they, he sits down to a meal and in the breaking of the bread their eyes are opened and they recognize him for who he is with that he disappears and they're like oh man it was Jesus and, and they realize the truth that they had somehow physically known it all along even if they didn't recognize it were not our hearts burning within our chest as he was speaking to us in hindsight, as they look back at this time, only then do they realize the truth that God has not abandoned them, that the Lord has been with them this entire time. And I think that's the promise for us. That is the promise, not only from this long story here, the road to Emmaus, but I believe one that continues to be found throughout the course of the entire Bible. I love the way that the scripture is very honest about life, it's honest about the ways that, we, that people, the individuals who are just trying to do the best that they can in their given circumstances, that they encounter the living Lord. But there are also those times, I believe just as many of them, that it's about the apparent absence of God. And it's only after the fact. It's only down the road as they look back that they can see the evidence that God was with them all the time. And that's what we find here as well. Jesus was with these two guys the entire time. The risen Lord, who they can't recognize for whatever reason, and I have no idea why, but for whatever reason, they can't recognize him until the breaking of the bread. Now, maybe that sounds pretty sacramental to you, like communion. I would hope it does. It does to me, certainly. In this act of relationship, this act of communal shared meal, that's when the presence of the Lord is revealed. And with that, they are able to look back and see he has not abandoned us. He was with us the whole time. And then they go and they share their experience. We have seen the Lord. Is that not the hope of all of us? That in one way or another, we will see the Lord. I believe that that's the important thing that we need to hold on to during this time. That even though it may not feel like it, even though things may be hard, even though things may not be going like we expect, and it seems like, man, nothing could be good here. The promise remains, the promise given to each of us through the waters of our baptism, the claim that God places upon us as beloved child, the claim of God upon us says, I will never abandon you. I will never forsake you, even in the times when it doesn't feel like it. May we hold on to that promise. And maybe, just maybe, may we recognize the presence of God with us, the way that the presence of God manifests. For them, it was our hearts were burning in our chest as he was speaking to us. Why didn't we realize it? I don't know what that's going to look like for you, but look for those ways that God has revealed in the midst of the hard stuff. That is the promise of the scriptures that God will be found with those who are marginalized, that God will be found with those who are experiencing the hardships. That is the promise. May we cling to it. Amen.